good evening and welcome to the Are You Still Up podcast. I'm your host, Alexis Zamora, and I only have one question for you. Are you still up? On January 2nd, 1935, a man checked into room 1046 at the Hotel President in Kansas City, Missouri. He signed in at the register as Roland T. Owen. He showed up with only toothpaste, a comb, and a brush, all carried within the pockets of his overcoat. When a maid came up to clean his room later that day, she saw that Owen was sitting with the shades closed and that the only light source in the room was a lamp. As Owen was leaving the room, he told the maid that she should leave the room unlocked as he was expecting a friend. She agreed but admitted later to detectives that she noticed that he was nervous or worried about something. A few hours later, the same maid entered the room to deliver fresh towels and found Owen laying in his bed, fully dressed. A note on the desk read, Don, I will be back in 15 minutes. Wait. On January 3rd at 10.30 a.m., the same maid returned to clean the room. The room was locked from the outside, and she opened it with her passkey, assuming that Owen went out for the day. Instead, she found him sitting in the dark alone. As she proceeded to clean the room, she overheard a conversation on the phone. No, Don, I don't want to eat. No, I'm not hungry. I just had breakfast. No, I am not hungry. Later in the day, the maid brought up a new set of towels. When she knocked at the door, she heard two men talking. She was answered by a rough, non-Owen voice. We don't need any towels. But she found it odd as she didn't bring any new towels for them to use. Later that night, a little before 11 p.m., Robert Lane was driving when he noticed a strange man approach him wearing only pants and an undershirt. Lane thought that this was odd as it was January and it was beginning to get cold. The man said, I'm sorry, I thought you were a taxi. Then looked up and down the street. Will you take me to where I can get a cab? Lane agrees and replied with, You look like you got hit bad. Lane then notices that the man had a deep scratch on his left arm. He also noticed that the man cupped his hands, perhaps to hide another wound. They approached the cab and part their separate ways. Later, Lane was able to identify the man as Roland T. Owen. On the early hours of January 4th, a guest heard arguing coming from room 1046, sounding like male and female voices stating, I heard a lot of noise which sounded like it was on the same floor and consisted largely of men and women talking loudly and cursing. When the noise continued, I was about to call the desk clerk but decided not to. January 4th, 7 a.m., the operator for the hotel noticed that the phone for room 1046 was off the hook. So she sent a bellboy, the same bellboy who helped him check in his bags earlier, the room. The room was locked with a sign that read, Do Not Disturb, hanging on the handle. He knocked multiple times but received short responses such as, Come in, or Turn on the lights. Frustrated, the boy yells, Put the phone back on the hook, and returned to the lobby. A different bellboy went to the room later that afternoon and used a passkey to enter. Using the light from the hallway, he found Owen laying in bed, in the dark, naked, and what seemed to be drunk. He also found the phone stand had been knocked over, so without disturbing Owen or turning on the lights, he returned the phone to its proper place and exited the room. Hours later, the operator noticed that the phone was off the hook, so she sent the first bellboy to check it out. 
He approached the room and noticed a do not enter sign. Still there. He knocked three times and got no response. He used his passkey to unlock the room and as he entered the room, there on the floor with his head in between his hands, he found a brutalized Roland T. Owen naked and covered in blood. The bellboy turned on the lights and found that the room was splattered with blood across the bed, the walls, and the insides of the bathtub. tied around the neck, ankles, and wrists, and had been repeatedly stabbed in the chest, tortured for hours. Meaning that the bellboy who entered his room the first time, who thought he was drunk, was in fact severely injured. One of the knife thrusts had punctured his lung and his skull was fractured from multiple blows to the right side of his head. To much of their surprise, Owen was still alive, barely. The detectives began to question Owen about his assaulter, to perhaps reach a quick and easy end an open and shut case, but Owen replied with, Nobody. The detectives, confused, asked how he ended up wounded like this, and Owen replied with, I fell against the bathtub. Shortly after, Owen fell into a coma and was rushed into the hospital. Owen passed away on an early morning, January 5th, 1935. An interesting fact of the case is that room 1046 was stripped clean. Whoever was with Owen took almost everything, towels, shampoos, even his overcoat. All that was collected was a necktie, a hairpin, an unlit cigarette, a safety pin, and an unopened bottle of dilute sulfuric acid. The only prints that were lifted from the crime scene were from a telephone stand which belonged to a woman. Detectives also discovered that Roland T. Owen never existed. There were no records to indicate that such a man ever lived in the U.S., so the police posted a sketch of the victim on newspapers. Several people came forward, but all reported different names. Apparently, Owen stayed at multiple hotels and registered under these different names. No one was able to determine Don, the woman, or even Owen. Police then decided to bury him under the name John Doe until they received an anonymous phone call stating that they should not bury him yet and that he slash she will send funds for a proper funeral. He was laid to rest as Roland T. Owen. Roses, which were also paid for anonymously, were placed on his grave with a card that read, Love forever, Louise. Around that time, a woman who refused to name herself called in to chastise an editor, telling them that You have a story in your paper that is wrong. Roland Owen will not be buried in a pauper's grave. Arrangements have been made for his funeral. When the editor pushed back and asked about what happened to Owen in the hotel, she answered He got into a jam. Detectives took the card and phone call as leads, but ultimately it led to a dead end. In 1936, two years later, a woman recognized someone in a magazine article to be her son, Artemis Ogletree. 
She got in contact with detectives and confirmed that it was, in fact, her son. It would appear that the family had not seen Ogletree since he left Alabama in April of 1934. They haven't heard from him in over a year until he sent three typewritten letters, the first of which in 1935, after he died. She had also received phone calls from a gentleman named Jordan. He would tell her that, Your son has done great things, and he's out exploring the world. Similar to other suspects in the case, Jordan was never identified. So, what happened to Artemis? Why was he trying to hide his identity? What kind of shady people was he dealing with? Who was Don? Who was Jordan? The world may never know.